Hi friends, and welcome to our first episode of Cats Common Corner. This podcast was created by CanLearn Society to help educate parents on children's social and emotional learning. I'm Kat. I'm a provisional psychologist, and I'm here to provide a calm voice and a guiding hand to help support your family's social and emotional development. Tell me, have you ever felt lost in your family's emotions? Unsure how to navigate your child's tantrums and overwhelmed by unexpected meltdowns. Yeah, I hear you. These outbursts of emotions can feel stressful to handle. They often result in hours of your child crying or screaming, followed by moments of regret and negative thoughts such as, I am an awful son or daughter. When children struggle with regulating their emotions, it often affects parents and sibling relationships. What you're facing isn't easy, but you aren't alone. I've spent the last four years working at CanLearn with schools, children, and families on developing healthy social-emotional learning. I'm here to share my knowledge and expertise in the area that you may find stability in your family's dynamic. So, today's topic, social-emotional learning. Let's talk about that. So what is social-emotional learning? Well, to put it simply, it's how we deal with everyday life. It's how we still go to school or work when we aren't feeling our best. It's managing our emotions when we got a coworker or a partner who's feeling extremely frustrating to deal with. And problem-solving when some unexpected things happen. As you can probably tell, these skills are extremely important for children an adult. But sometimes it can be hard to manage our emotions, especially during times of COVID-19 where things are always changing. Why is this so important for us to teach to kids? Well, I don't know if you're anything like me, but back when I went to school, there was no talk on mental health, psychology, or social emotional learning. We had our basics, math, English, reading, writing, and that was pretty much it. But there's been numbers of research studies done on this topic that have found that it is as important to teach as academics. Why? When we teach kids how to manage their emotions, how to calm themselves down and problem solve, they feel more connected to the schools and their peers. Things like aggression and bullying go down they feel more self-confident, and even things like their academics can go up. When we are teaching our kids these amazing skills, we're actually investing into the economy's future by, for every dollar that we spend right now on our kids' social-emotional learning, there's an $11 saving for things like rehabilitation or um, unemployment. These things are extremely important for our kids to learn. But it's important that we understand, too, what this is and how to teach it. So let's start with the basics. Social-emotional learning has five different parts. The first part is self-awareness. This means being able to understand myself, 
my emotions and my triggers. What do I look like when I'm angry versus when I'm sad? When am I doing my best problem solving? And when am I not really listening? This is really important for me to know and to build awareness so I can take the next step. After I've built self-awareness, our second step is self-management. This means being able to know what works for you and your body. Are you the type of person that when things don't go your way, you need to vent out and talk about it? Or do you just need a break and time by yourself? Do you like to move and get that energy out? Or do you just want to be still and calm? Everyone is different and that's okay, but we need to understand what our body needs in order to manage those emotions and understanding what our body needs when I'm nervous versus when I'm angry, because those can be two separate things. After I've built some self-management, this is when part three comes in, responsible decision-making. I know that when I'm dealing with big emotions, my brain isn't thinking clearly, and I'm probably not making the best decisions. So in order for me to take a step back, to look at all my options, and to look at a logical approach, I need to make sure I'm calm. All of these steps work together. When I'm able to manage my emotions and be calm, this is when I'm able to look at all my options and think clearly. The first three aspects in social emotional learning involve understanding ourselves, our body, and what we need. The last two parts involve relationships with others. So something that's equally as important in our social emotional learning is understanding basic relationship skills. What does a healthy friendship look like versus an unhealthy friendship? Understanding that a relationship with my mom is very different than the one with my teacher or my brother. It's important to understand these types of relationships and to know when to build boundaries as well as when to speak up when things don't seem right. Our last step is social awareness. Just as it's important to understand the different relationships around me, I need to understand what that looks like and what my friends or parents' needs are. If my friend is really upset, this is probably not a good time to problem solve with them. But do they need space or do they want me to talk about it with them? When my mom or dad is having a bad day, can I understand and be empathetic towards that? And can I find ways to cheer them up? These are all important for social awareness. And when you put all of these five things together, self-awareness, self-management, responsible decision-making, relationship skills, and social awareness, you have a really well-rounded individual who's able to manage those unexpected problems that life puts and those difficult people that we sometimes deal with. So how do we build all these great things? How do we build a child who's able to regulate their emotions and think clearly and problem solve? Well, this isn't easy. Oftentimes, I hear parents come to me feeling overwhelmed and telling me a little bit about what their house looks like. Tell me if this sounds familiar. They'll say things like, my child goes from zero to 100 in a matter of seconds. It just doesn't make sense. Or it feels like we're always tiptoeing around them. We don't know what the next trigger is going to be. Yeah, that can be really overwhelming to deal with. But the good news is there's strategies for helping regulate our emotions. This learning process does take time. 
it takes effort to develop. But when you're working with your child on this, you're building these amazing foundation skills to help them handle difficult situations. This is something they're going to use in elementary, in junior high as a teenager, in high school as they're learning whether they want to apply to college or not, and even as an adult in their work life. Let's be honest though, strategies aren't like magic. They're not going to work right away, they won't make all of our tantrums disappear, but they will give you a better understanding on how to navigate those strong emotions. So let's start with our first step self-awareness. I always say you can't change or fix a problem you aren't aware of. You don't know it's there, so how can you fix it? And oftentimes, children aren't aware of their emotion. They might not know the difference between being angry or annoyed, or they don't even know how to verbalize what's going inside, only that they know it doesn't feel so good. Sometimes I even have kids tell me, cat, Feeling angry or sad or scared, those are all bad feelings. I should never feel those. Yikes. That means that when that little kiddo is feeling sad or angry, not only do they feel overwhelmed by the strong emotion, now they feel guilty or ashamed that they're dealing with something that they think is wrong. This is where we come in. As adults, we need to normalize emotions for our children. Emotions are all normal. Let me repeat that. Emotions are all normal. Yes, some don't always feel the best, but that doesn't mean that they aren't something we should feel. Let's look at anger. Anger pops up when we thinks when we think things aren't fair. Fear? That pops up to keep us safe and protect us. And sadness? Sadness pops up to show us that we cared about something. Yes, sometimes I might not act the best way when I'm feeling a strong emotion. But we need to understand that these strong feelings are normal. Everyone experiences them differently, and it's our actions we need to be accounted for. So let's make emotions part of our everyday life. It's time for some practical tips and tricks. At the end of each podcast, I like to give you a couple of tips and tricks that you can use to start implementing in your family. This might be a helpful time to pause, grab a pencil and paper, and write down some things that you think might work for your family. Ready? Let's start. Children are like parrots. Oh, they will copy and paste and model everything they see, (laughs) the good and the not so good. So let's use this to our advantage. Start by using emotion to describe how you're feeling as well as people around you. Mom feels tired. Dad is upset. Your sister is disappointed that plans got canceled. And your brother's angry because he broke his Lego toy. You're teaching them by example. And what you're teaching them is that, hey, all these feelings are okay but there's a healthy way to deal with them. This will not only help normalize emotion, but it's going to help build emotional vocabulary so they start identifying the difference between being frustrated and angry, annoyed and hurt. And this will help you better understand when they start using this vocabulary what's going on in their minds. Number two, using everyday learning opportunities. 
I always say when we're teaching our kids about these topics, we don't need to sit down and grab a pencil and paper and write about emotions. Sometimes that works. Sometimes that can be really boring. Let's be honest. So let's use everyday opportunities when you're reading a storybook to your child, when you guys are watching a movie together, when you're learning about social studies and a great event that happened in history. These are all great time to explore feelings, to get them to notice, what do you think this character is feeling? Can they identify other people's feeling? That's a great way to build social awareness. And you can even make this more challenging and get them to think, why is this person feeling this way? Why do you think so-and-so is mad or angry? This will help them see if they can identify what feelings pop up for what situation. And again, make this seem more normal. Number three, create fun games night and play emotional charades. What a great way to spend time with family and do some learning. Have each member of the family act out an emotion. You can write them down in a basket and everyone picks them and see how quickly you can guess. This is such a good opportunity, not only for great bonding time, but to talk about what emotions look like and the differences with some and the similarities. Oh, I thought that was frustrated, but you were actually acting angry. Those look so similar. Or, oh, I thought that was shy, but you were just acting bored. It's important to talk about this stuff because emotions look different in different people's body too, and being able to get them to understand that as well. Identify your child's emotion when they feel stuck. When your kid is going through those big emotions, They might not really be able to tell you what's going on and they just might get frustrated and yell. So it's okay to ask them, are you feeling frustrated? Are you angry? Are you sad? Do you need some space? This is a way to help them understand their feelings when they might not know what's going on. Part four, have your child draw out how they're feeling after school. This is a good way to kind of track emotions. And especially if your child's really into arts and crafts, this might be a fun way for them to draw. So I would say, hey, why don't you pick an emotion today that really stuck out during school or during breakfast or during dinner? And let's draw it out and see what popped up. Which one are they identifying with? Are they just sticking to the negative emotions or the positive? This will help you know what's going on and which emotions they're identifying with. Number six, have your child pair up similar emotions and see if they can guess what is stronger. When I teach emotion for kids, I kind of teach them that emotions come in families. There's lots of similar ones. And sometimes they might just have a different name because it means one is a little bit stronger than the other. So for example, tired versus exhausted, which one do you think is stronger? Feeling worried or anxious? Do you know what anxious means? Hmm, let's talk about that. Anxious is like such a strong worry that you can't stop thinking about it. It almost kind of stops you from being your best. Being angry or enraged. Can you guess which one's stronger? Do you even do you know what enraged means? Oh, well, enraged is like when you're out of control angry. So does that kind of help give you a clue? When you talk about these, you're helping them understand that emotions happen on different level. And this is completely normal. And it's normal to feel one day a really strong emotion and the other day a not so strong one. Number seven, our last one, 
for older children, have them group family emotions together. So can they pair up our family emotions? Can they figure out what goes with angry? Is it frustrated, annoyed, hurt? All of those can look similar, but they can pop up at different times. Sometimes children will only use one word to explain how they're feeling. So they say, cat, I'm angry. Cat, I feel angry. Cat, I'm angry. But sometimes they're really hurt. They're frustrated. And it's important to expand that vocabulary to help them understand what they're going through and what they need. So I would just ask them, maybe write down a bunch of emotions and say, which ones would you put in a family? This might work well for older kids. And it might work for younger kids too, depending on what their level's at. So use your discretions. These are a couple of tips and tricks that you can begin implementing to help bring awareness to your child's emotion. But I recommend choosing one or two tips for the week. You don't want to overwhelm your kid with all this talk of emotion. That could be a lot, especially if you guys never talked about it in the family before. So pick one of these strategies and see how it works. And maybe next week. Add another one in there. Before I leave, I would like to give you a challenge for this week. Yeah, it's a little bit of learning for both our kids and for our adults. I think challenges are so important because they really help us understand and develop. And this week, I want you to track your emotions. Let's do it for four days, four out of the seven days. I want you to grab a journal, grab your phone, grab a piece of paper, whatever works for you. And I want you to write down a couple of emotions that you feel in the morning and right before bed. I'm going to put a link in the notes page on an app that I recommend if you prefer using that. But if you like to journal, this is also a good time to write down those emotions. This doesn't have to be complicated, just one or two words to explain how you're feeling. And I want you to notice in those four days, what happened? Are you aware of your emotions? Or were you kind of surprised with some of the things that popped up? Are there some emotions that pop up more often? Or are there some that just kind of feel harder or more overwhelming? The answers might surprise you. That's all for today. I hope that this week you learned something new about you or your family. I'm excited to see you next time. And I want you to take care, be safe, and we'll chat soon.